But I want to talk about the Eighth Commandment now. Thank you for sticking with me. And, and again, I want to remind you, um, as, as we talk about the commandments, as we talk about the law, um, the law was given to make us guilty before God. It wasn't to give us a pat on the back and say, you're doing a great job, keep it up. It was to show us that we're all guilty, to show us that we all need Jesus. The Bible says that the law was a tutor to bring us to Christ. It showed us that we need Jesus. And so as we get into these messages again, I just want to share this so there's no condemnation. All of us are guilty before God. And so it's actually a very good idea to even go through these commandments maybe once a year to look at the spirit of the law, not just the letter of the law, to say, God, cleanse me. I want to be more like you. And so as things come up, as you, as you hear something that maybe hits you, um, don't stay in guilt and condemnation. Just acknowledge it before God and get cleansed um, and so that we can be healed and, and, and go forth as the body of Christ. And so the Eighth Commandment, we see that not only the, the actions that God prohibits in His law, but also the improper motivations, the impure thoughts, and the root sins are what determine if these behaviors are being broken at the heart level. And saying all this, one would expect there to be commandments like, you shall not be prideful or you shall not be fearful, or doubtful, or selfish, or lazy, or greedy, or ignorant. And while you will not find a commandment with this exact rendering of terms, I can tell you that the Eighth Commandment effectively warns us against every one of these areas. What is the Eighth Commandment? It's in Exodus 20, verse 15. Simply put, it says, you shall not steal. This law forbids all theft, plain and simple. But is it really that simple? Upon further consideration of this command from God, one begins to see the related applications of stealing are not just limited to taking something that doesn't belong to you. There are many examples of violating the depth of this commandment, and it's safe to say that we all have broken this commandment at one time or another. While you might not be guilty of all-out theft, as in the common definition, if you do not make it a priority to return borrowed items as soon as you are done with them, then you have stolen the use of an item that you have not paid for. Now, to the person who lends things, it's just as bad as if a thief should come into his house and steal them. It may be just a book or just a tool but it's taken advantage of someone else's property and their willingness to help you in time of need. Saying that you forgot about the item and its return date, in effect, is saying that your needs are more important than the needs of the who the object belongs to. Offense can be birthed if the other person has to ask you if you still have the item. Or worse, if they don't ask you, but they just lose respect for you because you haven't returned it yet. When this happens, your neglect of a loaned good actually results in stealing from yourself. Why? Because your word gets tainted. You lose your word and you begin to lose your respect and integrity amongst others. In addition, if you return an item in any condition less than it was borrowed to you, you are stealing the value of that item. Even if your friend or neighbor just says, don't worry about it, that's okay. We should always return something in better condition than how we borrowed it. 
And if we break something, we should return double or give an improved blessing. If we truly have the heart of God, we will understand how to restore someone, especially if we are the one who wronged them. Restoration is so much more than just saying you're sorry. That doesn't cut it. God spoke to the prophet Isaiah and how he would restore his people. But it also gives us an example of how God uses the power of restitution and restoration to demonstrate the extravagance of his love. Isaiah 61, verse 7 says, Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. Now, this was realized, this prophecy was realized when Jesus came. Because he, he restored more than people had. He, he more than doubled. But that's what God's heart is, to not just restore, but to restore double. And so while the context of this verse is how God restores His people who have been brokenhearted and held captive and in mourning, one can see how God is willing to restore those who love Him to an even greater place where they were before they were oppressed. Think of how powerful the action of restoration is or improved blessing is on someone who doesn't expect it. The fact of the matter is that you actually have an opportunity to reflect the light of Jesus into another person's life where they may have been a closed door before. It's often when this type of serving happens that God opens a door for His message of love and forgiveness, as well as an opportunity for salvation if you're ready to walk through that door and be obedient to God. In fact, I would encourage you to try a little experiment in unexpected kindness. How many of you are ready for some homework? I see two, three, okay, a couple hands, all right, good. <laughs> I don't know if you're just raising because you feel guilty or not, but I'm going to give you a little bit of homework this week. And I'm not going to know um, whether you did it or not. I would, I'd encourage you to find someone who needs a touch or needs a nudge from Jesus. Then go to that person and ask them if you can borrow something of theirs. You don't even have to use it. But regardless of what it is, determine to bring back the item in noticeably better condition. If it's a lawnmower or a snowblower, bring it back with a new spark plug. If it's an old tool, shine it up. If it's something that you can improve, then bake some cookies. If it's, an old bo if it's a book, bring it back with a new bookmark. Be creative and find ways to bless and thank, you, thank them for lending you an item. It's usually unexpected blessings like these that soften the hardest of hearts and warm the coldest of souls. And if you know people like that, they'll say, nothing ever good happens to me. So you don't even have to need something. Ask them if you can borrow something and then bless them when you bring it back. You will see God open a door that wasn't there before if we're loving with a pure heart. As we are aware of our actions and our reactions to opportunities that present themselves to us, we can usher in the light of Jesus even in the darkest places. When this commandment is broken at the heart level, it means that integrity has been compromised. 
Proverbs 11.3 says this, The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. Both integrity and perversity are ever fighting for your attention, even more so nowadays. You must continually choose to resist the flesh so that integrity will be preserved and you will be able to follow every application of this commandment. Again, you don't just say, I've never stolen anything and check it off the list. This goes to the heart level, the heart of integrity. Neglecting or refusing to pay fair wages or compensation to a worker for services rendered is also a form of theft. This is not to take the place of when someone willingly volunteers to serve you or when a parent is teaching responsibility to their children by giving them household chores. However, compensation for personal work being done is how we honor others and appreciate them for a job well done. Unfortunately, Christians are sometimes the worst violators of this act of of goodwill taking advantage of others and just expecting them that they're going to do it for me because it's a Christian thing to do, even though they gave their hard work to do that. If the service service was offered voluntarily, it's one thing. But if it is manipulated into this neglect of paying a fair wage, it is indeed a sin. And it further creates an enmity between those of the world and those who say they follow Christ. Proverbs 3.27 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Whether it is in wages, or giving compliments, or giving thanks, or a returned service, if we withhold good from others on purpose or neglectfully, it is stealing what is due to them. So many of our daily responsibilities in life can tarnish our witness with others and bring offense between us and God if we don't obey the Eighth Commandment in the spirit of the law. This is where the words of Jesus really hit home if we find ourselves guilty in these areas. What am I talking about? I think it's a huge thing that's not talked about enough this day. Matthew 5.13. I know you've heard this before, but let me give a little application of it. So Matthew 5.13. Jesus is speaking on the Sermon on the Mount, one of His longest teachings, practical teaching. He says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. This is a powerful verse. I believe it's for the church of today. And yet too quickly when we read this passage, we jump right into the next verse because the next verse says, you are the light of the world. Right? But let's go back here. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. And if we lose our saltiness, it cannot be made salty again. What is he talking about? Well, outside of keeping your own heart right before God. The next greatest thing that we can do for Him and His kingdom is to share Jesus with others because the world needs Jesus. Amen? Yet if we taint our life by taking advantage of others, by treating them unfairly, by refusing to humble ourselves and apologize when we hurt them, 
then we risk losing our saltiness and we damage our witness. Unfortunately, there are too many Christians who have damaged their witness because of their actions, and they have no idea that they no longer have influence with others. So guess what? Get around people, and and you're going to stumble. You're going to fall. You're going to blow it. But the greatest way that you can prove your witness is to go back to that person and apologize. Own up to it. Admit it. Confess it. I've seen more people been open to God, to the faith, by just me, me being, I messed it, I blew it up, I'm sorry. And they say, really? I would never apologize. I've heard people say that. And so just by doing that and apologizing and humbling yourselves, you get your witness back and God needs us to be the witness, to be the light in the world today. This is why we stress humility and repentance and a spirit-led self-evaluation of ourselves so much. We all need to be willing to be cleansed completely. Yet some believe that as long as they just make it right with God, as long as they just confess it to God, then things are all set. However, if nothing has been done to address the rift in a relationship or with whomever you sinned against, you have no right to expect that your witness is still strong and influential. This is where you must continue in a responsible manner. Remember, we've been teaching about this, but our, our sins are forgiven by God and we confess to Him. But our friendships and our relationships are not healed until we confess to one another if we've sinned against them. Apologize. Take ownership of our wrongs. And pray for one another. The kingdom of God flows through relationships. Therefore, we must protect them and maintain them with the greatest of care. It's not until we completely take care of this business that we've actually have restored our witness to where it needs to be in order to be used by God again. If you think you've blown it, all it takes is a humble heart to admit that you're wrong, to ask for forgiveness, and ask God to start restoring your life so that you can restore others as well. If we neglect this step, we are not only wasting our time witnessing, we are giving a bad name to Christians. Let us be aware of this truth and be quick to take ownership of our faults and repent and restore others. You will see me again and again apologize and confess because I mess up a lot. But I also have God's grace. And God restores us if we confess to Him and to others. When you have found yourself in violation of theft or stealing or taking advantage of someone else, whether it was on purpose or not fully realized, there are measures that you must go through to see where your heart's inner motivations reside. Sometimes the inner motivation is just plain ignorance. Many people consider taking something that doesn't belong to them when they believe that they need the object or the resource in order to survive. Yet when we steal in order to prevent going through a challenging time, we are actually stealing a blessing from ourselves that God would equip us with if we put our trust in Him. Our lack of patience and trust actually serves to bankrupt our faith in God. If I say I need it, so I'm going to take it, then I take away my faith to say I'm going to trust God for it, that God can supply my needs. In fact, 2 Corinthians 12.9, powerful verse, Paul says, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect 
in weakness. How, how do you have access to God's strength? By admitting your weakness, by admitting your lack. That's how God's strength is made perfect. But some people don't ever get there because it's either an excuse or a blame or taking something to prevent, to prevent us from going to the place of absolute weakness to access his perfect strength. Paul says, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse 10, therefore, I'm not here yet. Maybe some of you are, but Paul was here. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's where God wants us to be, to realize that the world can't touch us. The world can't take our faith away. If we realize that our greatest need is Jesus, then all of that is rubbish. Now, we appreciate all the blessings that God gives us, but when we get to the place that we just, in my needs and in my persecutions, I rejoice because I know that when I'm weak, I am strong. That's how we prepare ourselves for Christ's return. It is in the greatest seasons of need where we learn to be completely dependent upon God. You can't put a price on what is learned by faith through trials when we, when we learn to trust God through it all. At its base, stealing and manipulation for personal gain is an act based on fear. Since the attitude behind the action shows a lack of trust that God will meet your needs. I know we don't like to hear this. And maybe you think, maybe some of you think I'm being too, too picky. But I would tell you that all of this goes back to the heart level. And if God can stir something up at the heart level, if we confess it, then God can heal us and make us become more like Him. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. We need to trust that God is going to meet our needs, no matter what we go through. We need to come to Him by faith. When we are tempted to take from others or manipulate them for our gain, we must resist the flesh and do the exact opposite, such as sowing a seed of kindness into somebody else even when you have a need at that same time. In fact, by giving to others while we are in need demonstrates our complete reliance on God that He will take care of us. Because truth be told, what the flesh often wants to do, if we're honest, the flesh often tells us, I'm going to give to that person so I can get back. Now, whether you act on that or not, that's what the flesh tries to do, is to get you to manipulate your giving to receive from someone else. However, the act of giving shows that you trust God to give to you when you are in need. In fact, many believe that strong faith is believing God for something when your needs are great. But real faith is actually shown when you continue to give to others and serve them even while you lack basic necessities. When we are faithful to take care of God's kingdom, He will take care of us. We must be careful not to become too attached to the things that we have or too resistant to give up our comforts. The love of God cannot flow through a kinked hose. Matthew 50 
verses 40 through 42. Jesus goes on and on to talk about the integrity of this issue in so many times. He says, if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. That's that restoring double, that improved blessing. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. In this teaching, Jesus was doing more than just talking about kindness. He was encouraging us to keep our hearts prepared to trust God for all we need. The only thing that we need is to stay attached to His love. We do this by being obedient to Him in all that we do. Pride is at the foundation of theft when you're not content with what you have and take something from another person just because you want it or you think that you need it. One of the roots of theft is prideful thought, that you deserve to have things that belong to others. Or in regards to what God gave to somebody else, you believe it had the wrong destination or the wrong recipient. And that should have come to you instead because you worked hard and you've been good and you deserve it. And yet someone else out there who's not even follow God is being blessed and you're not. That's what the flesh tells you all the time. Therefore, if you desire that, if you think that that blessing had the wrong recipient, then you defy God thinking that you should be able to take it or crave after it. Think about that the next time that your mind tries to justify that you deserve something that someone else has. You are basically saying that God was wrong in delivering this blessing to someone other than you. Pride also will tell you that you don't have to work for things in life that are valuable. Many people sacrifice great time and money to acquire the goods that they have. When you, when you take what you have not worked for, you acquire it through dishonest gains which is equivalent to bringing an empty sacrifice to the Lord. This action says more about your heart and more about your disrespect for the Lord's for the Lord than most other sins in the law. Showing how little you, little you honor the one who sacrificed everything for you. One of the greatest teachings on this topic is when King David sinned against God and he was responsible for bringing a plague to the land. As David repented to the Lord, God instructed him to go build an altar for him on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. I want to bring up this teaching because it's a powerful one. It's in 1 Chronicles 21, verse 22. Then David said to Ornan, Grant me the place of this threshing floor, that I might build an altar, an altar on it to the Lord. You shall grant it to me at the full price that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. Verse 23, But Ornan said to David, Take it to yourself, and let my lord the king do what is good in his eyes. Look, I will also give you the oxen for the burnt offerings, the threshing implements for the wood, and the wheat for the grain offering. I give it all to you. You're the king. I give it all to you free. Here we see Ornan feeling compelled to give whatever king David asked of him. But David would have no part with this, for he knew that he had wronged God to begin with, and only a pure sacrifice would stop the destruction. Verse 24, Then King David said to Ornan, No, but I will surely buy it for the full price, for I will not take what is yours from the Lord, 
nor offer burnt offerings with that which cost me nothing. You see, all of our talents and abilities and opportunities are God's gifts to us. What we do with them are our gifts back to Him. Yet it is shameful to say that when we take advantage of others, when we manipulate them spiritually, when we fail to restore in a godly manner, and when we steal in any such way, it is like giving back to God a package wrapped as if it's a full value, but it's only empty on the inside. David would not offer anything to the Lord which cost him nothing. This has to be ingrained in us as well. For love is defined by how much, is, how much one is willing to sacrifice for another. Hebrews 13, verses 15 and 16. Therefore by Him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Maybe you've heard it said before, this, this, this word, or this phrase, to give a sacrifice of praise. What's that mean? It means sometimes you don't feel like praising God. Sometimes you feel like that, that you should be getting thanks yourself or encouragement. You should be getting something from God because you've had a bad day or things are going bad or you're, think, or you're, you're, you're lacking something. But God says when you sacrifice your own wants, in your own desires, and praise Him, you're giving Him a sacrifice of praise that says, my praise is unconditional, God. And I trust You no matter what. The lesson for us is that our praise should not just be conditional based on whether we have received an an observable blessing. We must continually offer a sacrifice of praise showing that we are ever thankful for what He has already done for us by saving our souls. We are to praise Him in adversity. We are to praise Him in the middle of trouble. We are to praise Him in the middle of our challenges and praise Him in the storm. When we lose the urgency to praise Him and give Him thanks in everything, do you know what happens? We become self-focused. We become self-centered and selfish. This is the precursor to stealing as we attempt to redirect the flow from someone else to us. Ultimately, we taint what we are able to give God as a sacrifice. Therefore, let us seek to persevere in all that we do and resist temptation to compromise our offering and sacrifice to our Lord. Well, there's one more area covered in the Eighth Commandment which we must all do our best to protect against the theft of the Word of God. James 4.17 says this, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. If you know the blessings of God's Word and the power of His love and forgiveness, then why would you not share this goodness with others who will die in their sins without Him? For too long, Christians have bought into the lie that evangelism is just too uncomfortable and witnessing to others is just too difficult. Too many have wrongly convinced themselves that sharing Christ with others is just for the pastor or just for the evangelist. Yet I tell you that if we do not share Christ when we have the opportunity, it goes against God's command to do good and make disciples of all the world. When you choose your comfort 
over God's commands, you are stealing the Word of God from those who need to hear it. Especially those who would never set foot in a church where the Bible is preached. You may be the only Bible that someone reads. In a report done in the mid-1980s, over 170 million people in Russia had never even seen a copy of the Bible. It had been outlawed and forbidden there since 1928. Some 25 million children were daily taught that there is no God. You think just wrapping a shoecase, a shoebox, and send it across the world, you think that's just a simple thing? If you bring the Word of God to someone who doesn't know it, to a family that doesn't know it, and it affects the family, and it affects the village, and it changes people, what greater power is that? There are people all over the world who are raised knowing and being taught that there is no God. There's been a, such a great theft of the Word and truth of God. Yet this is still happening all over the world in many places, including China which is home to over 2 billion people. It is easy to be disgusted with this, but what about the millions of parents? The millions of parents right here in the United States who are stealing the Word of God from their children, never reading it to them, never discussing it with them, never taking them to church or praying with them. In fact, raising them exactly as if they had never even heard of God. Yes, the Word of God is being stolen right here in our country. How black will that day be when a great nation totally secularized and having turned away from God shall suddenly reap the consequences of this decision? Let us stop that. Let us intercede for our children. Let us share Christ with others. Let us pray with someone else. Let us invite people to church. Let us be that light and be that salt so that God's kingdom can go forth in this earth. Who will stand in the gap? Who will take up the slack? Who will resume the responsibility, man the strongholds of faith, and teach the citizens of future generations the true principles of Almighty God? The theft of the Word of God through the failure to teach it is a colossal sin. Every one of us must do our part to restore the Great Commission in our country, in our region, in our community, and in our family. Last verse. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. It is this perspective that should serve to encourage every one of us to share Christ with others. And not just keep the blessing of His truth to ourselves. Why does God give you a gift? So that you can use it to open a door for Him so that God can go in to change someone's life. Your gift will open the way for you. So use it just to do that. If God has given you the gift of generosity, then do so and allow God to open a door for your witness through it. If your gift is encouragement, start encouraging for this is probably one of the most needed gifts right now. If your gift is showing mercy, then extend your heart. If it is leading, then lead others to Christ. 
Whatever God has given you, it is for the purpose of building the kingdom of God. Let us steal no longer, for the day is late. It's time to build. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that it sears our hearts and convicts us, God. And so we come to You and we confess where we have blown it, where we have been guilty, where we have been selfish. We ask You to heal us and to forgive us and to use us so that we can restore others' lives. Give us opportunities to share the truth of Your Word and the power and the love of You with others. We thank You, Lord, as we continually put our trust in You. In Jesus' name, Amen. As you are focusing and let God continue